In this episode, Darius Dior shares his testimony, which includes forgiving the person who killed his brother. We also talk about segregated churches and the church being silent when it comes to race relations. Additionally, Darius breaks down Children of the Lion, Jamila, Cleaning Time, and Grace's Power in the four-song breakdown. I am Gaelica Brown, and this is Sound Seekers Presents Testimony, a Musician Story. I was born in Bedford-Stuyvesant, uh, Brooklyn, New York, um, or Clifton Place between Bedford and Nostrand in 1986. Um, I was the, um, the third child of my 38-year-old mother at the time, my 40-year-old dad. My brother was 14. My um, sister was 18. Oh, wow. So, so I had brother and sister as mommy and daddy. Okay. Right. So it sounds like you were the oops child. I was the oops <laughs> child. I was definitely the oops child. Um, <laughs> you know, and so uh, my mom and dad were like always like my, my grandparents, but you know, they were always working and my brother and sister were just like, you know, they matched what my friend's parents looked like, yeah. you know? <laughs> okay. So, okay. So yeah. So that, then- that's where my started out. Does that mean that you have a sibling type relationship with your siblings now as an adult, or is it still kind of like a parental relationship? I, you know what? I have to say as a child and even as an adult, it was still a very sibling type relationship. Um, you know, almost to the, to the point that, you know, because we, we, we all call mommy, mommy, and we all call daddy, daddy. So it was just like, you know, yeah. you, you, you had no, it was no way that I could escape that, that okay. relationship being, being brother and sister. Okay. Yeah. And did you grow up in a Christian household? Yes. My, my, um, I was probably the only kid on the block that went to service on Sunday but couldn't go outside with my friends because we were going back to church mm. for second service on Sunday. <laughs> so definitely like a deacon's son, okay. right? You know, um, but a deacon's baby son. Uh, we, 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 I came up in an apostolic, a faith apostolic church. So it was, um, you know, very formally, uh, family oriented. Um, there's pictures of me that when I was a kid, you know, cause like, then in Queens, we went to church in Queens. So it was like really, really like family. You know what I mean? So we were always like together a lot, you know? But yes, yeah. most definitely. My mom was an evangelist or, you know, well, is an evangelist and, and, my, and my, my father was a deacon. Um, before he passed and he became a minister too. But uh, yeah, definitely did. <laughs> definitely did. Okay. And so you were born in Brooklyn, went to church in Queens, or did you move to Queens and live there as well? I went to church in Queens. Okay. Went to church, church in Queens. Um, then at, at, let me see, in 94, so I was like eight, maybe, yes, yeah, like seven or eight. Um, my, my mom's, my grandmother, my mom's mom, um, was diagnosed with cancer. She was in her 80s. Mm-hmm. And my mom took me and moved here down to South Carolina when I was about nine years old. Okay. To take care of my grandmother. 
here in South Carolina when she was dying of cancer. Okay. Um, and so my mother, my grandmother had nine girls and three boys, you know, here in Somerset, South Carolina. And then, you know, my mom was one of the youngest and one of the ones that decided, you know what, I'm going to go down South and I want to take care of mom, but I got to take my baby with me. Okay. So my sister, so, so with my sister and my brother and my dad, they stayed in New York and then I moved here and, and, you know, just distraught and turmoil, you know, uh, separation anxiety yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> uh just you know just dealing with a whole lot at a young age at that time and did you you stay there have you been did you guys stay there like how does, <laughs> so, how does that work so so i stayed there i stayed here here yeah uh, i stayed here in south carolina um i hated it uh shortly after um my grandmother died in 96. My brother was murdered by a very close friend of the family that um, lived in our house in Brooklyn. So like, you know, my mom is very much so like, you know, she was able to retire, you know, her job offered for her because she was down here so long taking care of my grandmother. And then, you know, this event happened uh, where my brother was murdered by a very close friend of the family. Um, which I wrote about in my album, and um, we'll get to and that. Then, yeah, and so and so in nineteen ninety six, after my grandmother died, uh-huh. uh, my brother was suddenly twenty three years old, killed mm-hmm. while my mom and I were down south, and mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't like in the street or anybody; it was literally somebody that we considered family that we love. Yeah, and your sister. So your sister and your dad then are still. Are still there. My sister's there. My dad's there. Um, you know, when this happened, this, it was it all happened while they were at work. So the people who weren't working, which were the younger people, like you know, the cousins and the friends, my brother, you know, things were going on, you know, um, in the street, um, in terms of just like you know, beef and oh, where you live and who's you know. And so people were like, kind of like freeloading, you know, my sister was trying to take the adult role of managing the house because my mom wasn't there. You know, my dad did construction. He was always gone, Mm. very laid back, nonchalant. And so it got really chaotic when my mom left, you know, my mom, that kind of mom where it's like, you know, she regulates, you know, without it, (laughs) you know, easily. So, um, yeah, so I was, I I stayed there. Um, I was staying in South Carolina, but then my brother, uh, was was killed shortly after that. So did your sister and your dad ever end up coming to South Carolina then? No, my sister, um, she had a nervous breakdown and because yeah. the day that my brother was killed, yeah. um, it was on her birthday. Oh and my so he was, he was actually on the way to go get a cake and um, my sister and my brother were in cahoots about, because this person that's a friend of the family was my cousin Tanisha's little friends from down the block you know so if my my sister is like 22 or 23 or 20 i mean uh, like 26 or 27 then you know my cousin's like maybe 18 or 19 or something like that you know so that was the dynamic of the relationship they all of the people were younger than my brother and sister but um it was on her birthday and so she when the event happened you know, the funeral was down south because my brother went to high school down in South Carolina, too. Okay. Um, you know, so it was a thing to 
send the kids down to South Carolina, you know, so that they wouldn't have to grow up in the street, yeah. you know. <laughs> so because everybody, you know, because everybody came from South Carolina and moved to the city, you know, to, you know, all the brothers and sisters took care of each other and their kids. And it was kind of like a string thing, you know, yeah. that they did. But it, it was like a back and forth South Carolina to New York thing with the kids and the adults. So uh, he ended up, you know, he went to school down here. And so he lost his life at 23. Um, it was super devastating because it was my cousin's friend that we loved, though, right? <laughs> we yeah. loved, though. And, loved, we, and, you know, that made this happen. And, you know, my brother was kind of like, you know, he he adored me because I was his little brother. You know what I mean? And and I adored him. He was like my superhero. Like, you know, so the age difference is nine and 23. So, right. So I'm looking at him yeah. like he's everything that I want to be. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> From the way he talks, the way he walks. And so at an early age, I experienced a lot of trauma from, first of all, you know, my grandmother, losing my grandmother. Not even, that was the, I, I met her when she was sick and dying. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I didn't yeah. really know her very well. Everybody else did, but I was so young, you know. So um, then my then my brother, you know, him him growing up down there with my grandmother, then moving back to the city, and then you know my sister. This all happened on my sister's birthday, and so she had a nervous breakdown and came down south and lived with my mom for a little while, a while at us. And I was glad, you know, she was there, but she wasn't happy. Yeah. You know, and I was sad. You know, the funeral was, was was huge because he was a really good basketball player. You know, he was um, on he played in the in the All Star game with Ray Allen back in ninety one. Oh wow! And, you know, and so play with Jesus. Yeah, so he was like that. <laughs> yeah, he played with Jesus Shuttlesworth, and well, against him, not with him. Yeah, but, you know, okay. Because you know, you know, Ray Allen is from Sumter. Okay. A lot of people don't know that Sumter is really close to Summerton and Manning, and here where where I'm from. So, because I, I even though I have, I, I tell people all the time, I was born in Brooklyn, but I'm from South Carolina. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's know? where you were raised. Yeah. That's where I was raised. So, you know, I'm from South Carolina. But, you know, Brooklyn is always going to be in me. It's always going to be in my heart. But I tell people I'm from South Carolina, regardless of what you hear in my accent, you know. Yeah. Because you <laughs> so, don't have um, a Southern accent. You sound like you're from the East. And your music sounds like it's from the East. Yeah, it is. It's all it's all East, <laughs> East Coast inspired. And um, so, you know, that was, that was a lot, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of just for, for me as a kid. And um, I was a bit traumatized because before he, you know, he would be back and forth. He would come down and see me and my mom and he would go back and, you know, and so, um, you know, we slept in the same bed together. I wet the bed with him in it. He was, <laughs> you know, he was, he was my, my superhero. So yeah. that was really tough, really tough for me. But my, my sister did come. My dad eventually did come down, uh, down south. Okay. So did they, everyone end up, living down south then or was it still a back and forth for your dad and then eventually your sister um my sister eventually moved to atlanta to start a new life okay. right because a lot of the family members were close to my brother's death and they knew how traumatic it was for my sister because it was on her birthday yeah so you know of course these close friends of the family were like you know of course the, you know J jamila she ended up doing pr prison time um, her sister Beanie, who was my brother's girlfriend at the time, um, you know, had a nervous breakdown, and uh, it was all an accident, you know. 
you know, my brother had a temper, you know, so the gun went off and it was, it was just, it was an accident. And my, my mom and my dad went to court on behalf of her case. And they said, you know, we know that this was not premeditated and we're asking the judge to please grant Jamil a mercy. Um, you know, of course, all my Brooklyn family was like, no, we wanted to burn, you know, yeah. a lot, you know, we, <laughs> everybody, but now, now I'm, I'm giving you speculation because I'm nine years old. I was yeah. not in court. Yeah, when, yeah. <laughs> when all this stuff, but I've, you know, I've gotten stories from all of my family members. Um, but what I've assessed, you know, um, about that is just how traumatic it was for my family. But we all ended up, we lived together for a time period, but my sister ended up moving to Atlanta and just, just to start a new life. Yeah. And um, my dad, my mom and I stayed um, down South. Okay. All right. So you're nine years old. You experience two deaths at nine then. Yes. So just a lot of trauma. When did you actually feel like you gave your life to Christ when you actually had that connection yourself? You grew up in the church, but then right. <laughs> right. that you had that connection. Right. So um, you know, from nine to let's say um nineteen. So by the time I figured out what sex was, right, and women and girls and sports and bravado and ego, um, I kind of like lost it, you know, in terms of just like, you know, because my mom and dad are super, you know, spiritual, super religious. So I ran, you know, as fast as I could to college, right? Okay. <laughs> I had to get out, right? Yeah. And it was just like, uh, a thing where it was just like, you know, I didn't have to, I didn't grow, I don't have a, you know, I grew up poor and grew up broke story, right? <laughs> you know, my mom, I had a car as a freshman in college, you know, and- um, Where'd you go to school at? I went to school at, at Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, so you stayed in the same state, you just went to a different city? I went to a different city. Okay. <laughs> so I went to the city, right, the, the, the biggest city, uh, the closest big city to, you know, to where I, to the country where I was living in, in Manning, in Somerton, in this country area. Um, that was the place to go. You know, that's where all the state championship basketball games were. It was uh, more people. And it reminded me more of being at home. To me, you know, New York City was a home for me. Um, so I ended up, you know, partnering with some friends to sell some drugs um, doing things that were not of me, and, you know, that weren't really in my character and my nature. I remember um, I was in a relationship with, um, you know, with a young lady. And I, I think I came to her and I was drinking beer and I was, you know, doing all this stuff. And she just looked at me, was like, this isn't you, you know, like you stink. You're not, you know, yourself. And so there was always this identity struggle that I've had, that I had at that time with who I wanted to be, who I wanted to attach myself to. Um, and so by the time I was 19, a freshman in college, I, um, I, went, to, I, went, to, I went to go do, um, pick up some drugs. I had like three friends with me um, and we ended up getting pulled over for not having our seatbelts on and they found, you know, a gun, some drugs, um, you know, and I'm panicking, you know, and I'm, yeah. I'm thinking I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of years in jail, you know, 
And um, my mom and my dad and, you know, my friend's mom and, you know, had to come pick us up and bail us out. This is my first time ever going, doing any type of, you know, I'm in the county jail doing push-ups. I'm going to be here for years, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do in the movies. <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing movie, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, panicking, you know, I almost like, you know, I'm sitting in there, I'm like, what you in here for? He was like, yeah, man, I killed somebody, you know, you know, or, you know, molestation. Or, like, I'm talking to these people. And I'm like, I'm not supposed to be in here, you know, trying to act hard and be tough in the county, in the county jail. And, um, and so uh, my mom, and, you know, my mom, my parents had to come bail me out of jail. Um, you know, of course, they were incredibly disappointed. But, you know, where we the, the first place we went when they got me. Was the revival one of them good old revivals with the tent? <laughs> <laughs> revival, okay. They one of those too, good yeah. old revivals with the tent and all of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, that was the first time that, with my heart, at nineteen, that I surrendered my heart to God, knowing that I had a moral compass, but you know I was able to put Christ on that compass, and 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 so my journey to, you know, find out who the Lord was started, started there, you know. Well, that'll do it. I mean, (laughs) you come straight out of County to a revival, a tent revival at that. My parents took me straight to revival. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like they did the the right thing. Yeah, most definitely. So 19, you, you have this connection and you're still in college though. Right, still still in in college, you're still around the people who hooked you up with the the drug deals and done. So how do you maneuver all of that? Um, so at this point, you know, I'm going to school, I'm a for teaching, right? So I'm hoping to get the call me Mr. Program grant and um, you know, I've done a whole semester um, you know, trying to get ready to, to be a teacher. And then I realized that I really needed to um, get focused about with sc- about school and what I really want. You know, so many, so many students were there and I, I, I knew when I was there, I had no idea what I was doing, what I wanted to do, <laughs> you know, and, and I wasn't really fully engaged in my education. So because I knew that I had let my parents down, I was determined to just get on a path and go and make sure that I graduated. I became the first child of my parents three to graduate from college. Um, and so it was just, I, I was just so determined. And so, and it was really wasn't college friends that got me into the drug thing. It was, it was my, my partner, one of my best friends, his name is, uh, his name is vision prone. And um, he's on a couple of the, he's on the EP that I did before I put this album out. We did a joint EP together. Um, <clears throat> but, he was actually the person that got me into the, the whole drug thing. But then he was also the person because he had the same revelation. He was at the same revival, you know, that night. We were together, partner in crime. And he was just like, yo, I just heard this cat named Bizzle, man. Yo, you need to listen to this. And this is the time at the time where Bizzle is going super hard at Jay-Z and Kanye West. Okay. At this time. Yeah. Right. Like and so he and he's and, right. And he's just like, it's like, it's, I'm in my car and I'm listening to him and I'm like, I'm getting chills from his words. He's like the beat dropped. Right. And I'm like, Oh, right. I felt (laughs) what he said. Right. Like, I'm like, Whoa. 
that's crazy, man, right? I'm like, that's, what's his dude name? Bizzle? Why is his name Bizzle? Why would he not write? Like, you know, like, in, so at that point, um, I think sometime after that, he was just like, yo, man, I think I'm about to just start doing gospel rap. Because before we were doing, before this moment, we were just doing mixtapes and doing our little street thug culture rap. We trying to have a little South Carolina gang gang, team majors, whatever, right? So it wasn't um, really purpose-driven and purpose-filled. It was just really egotistical. And um, at that point, I just kind of navigated into a different mindset. Because for me, I, I'm a writer at heart, right? <laughs> I'm a writer at heart. And so although I didn't have the knowledge and the wisdom of God, right, and I didn't really have, I wasn't really seeking God at that time, although I had given my life to the Lord, I just put together a mixtape. And it was called Politics and Religion. Because my friend, mind you, he had told me he was going to just, he was going to start doing it. But by the time he could think about getting it done, <laughs> I had already had a whole mixtape, right? Now, now, mind you, he's been going to church and he's been, you know, in the Lord a little bit longer, you know, in terms of just seeking God, you know what I mean? And um, he listened to my tape. He was like, yo. You don't even like you don't even know what you're saying in here and on the like like because they know that my they knew that at the time my energy my mindset didn't match what the art was really saying like he was like you know you talk to me you know when I'm listening to this mixtape I'm listening to a totally different person than that's sitting in front of me right was what my friends yeah. <laughs> is what my friends were saying to me at, at that time and. And I was a little appalled with it. And, you know, I'm a really competitive person. And so I was like, listen, like, you know, I got what you mean. I, I, got, I know the word, you know. And so a lot of the things that I was saying were things that I heard, things that I had seen. And so it was kind of innate. And that's kind of how I transitioned from trying to be <laughs> in the street to being a kingdom music artist. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. So your friend's like, I was the one supposed to be making about Jesus. Like, how did right. this happen? Okay. Right. Okay. So now you're an adult. Yes. <laughs> so somewhere in between there, I'm assuming you you graduate, you get married. Yes. Yes. You have at least a son. I don't know if you I, have any more. Yes, <laughs> I have a son. Right. So um, I graduate from college. Um, I met my wife in college. Um, she was Miss Benjamin at the time. Um, of course, you know, I was Jody, the rebound. You know, she had, you know, she's, my wife is beautiful. She's, you know, she's, she's amazing. You know, she's, and so I know that, you know, our, you know, our, the inception of our relationship, um, things, we didn't really have a solid foundation, but our son came from our relationship, right? Okay. And so... And that's before I graduated, um, before I graduated college. Here he is now. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm, on a, I'm on a call. I'm going to come downstairs in a minute, okay? All right. So uh, he, uh, you know, our, my son is, and, but this is my senior year, and Obama is. Oh, wait, sorry. If you can say that again, because it kind of got glitchy. So you were okay, talking I'm about sorry. your son, just start over, yeah. Yeah, so my son, 
I met my wife, and then my son was born. Close the door, man. My son, my son was born while I was still in college. Obama's being inaugurated. It's like it's a glorious time, right? Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a glorious time. I'm actually about to graduate fifth year mass communications. You know, my mom's like, "Are you really going to graduate?" I'm like, "Yes, please <laughs> come." Right, because I was, you know, so excited. Um, and my wife, um, you know, and I met in school. We had a son who graduated, and we eloped. Um, you know, because we weren't, um, our families weren't, you know, necessarily fans or that's more so, you know, my immediate family was like, who is this girl and what does she want? And what, you know, so it was just like really not safe for me to like create a, uh, an environment where we were preparing a, a wedding. It was just really unsafe at that time. So we eloped and we got together. Um, you know, we weren't really a hundred percent fully ready to be adults. We were 22. Right. <laughs> so, so, but we had a son and, um, you know, I was in my mind, like, you know, if, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I'm just going to take a leap of faith. I love this woman. I don't know. She's the son of my, she's the mother of my son. Um, I'm not going to let her be a baby mother. <laughs> you know, and yeah. I, I, she needs to know how much I love her. You know, even I don't care. We don't need to have that. You know, have a ceremony. I don't care what my family says. It was just kind of like a goal. You and, know, so and did she believe in Christ at the time as well? Yes, she was. She was in Christ at the time as well, um, but not. You know, um, growing and searching for God. You know. She was more so searching for love and searching for affection. And, um, you know, she also had some abandonment and trauma things where, you know, she was raised by her grandmother. And that's the thing about marriage. I was watching what you did with Eshawn Burgundy and, um, and his wife. Zara, and people think yeah. that marriage is about. Yeah. And, 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 and people, people um, think that marriage is just about being happy, you know, but it's so much more about growth. And you're taking responsibility and ownership for your own happiness and being able to become a partner and become one with your spouse. And um, and so I had we we went through our traumas and our ordeals and uh, unfaithful and betrayals and you know we went through a lot and uh, we're still here, um, 11, 12 years later. Right on. <laughs> we're still right here. On. We're still hanging on. We haven't killed each other or pulled each other's hair out. Um, you know, and even in this difficult time in the pandemic, we're having to navigate things, you know, um, that we don't, didn't expect to navigate, but all in all, it was, it was definitely a smooth transition. Um, and that's where I, that's where, um, I, I became an adult at that time. Um, as soon as I graduated from college. Yeah. Kind of had to. <laughs> kind of had to. Kind of had to. Yeah. Well, and that's cool. I think it's important for people to hear stories like you and your wife, uh, because not everyone, not everyone's story is, hey, like we met and we got married and then we had kids and like, <laughs> we waited for marriage. It doesn't always happen that way, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be a particular order. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. As long as you get to the place of where you guys are both, you know, in Christ, right. 
equally yoked in all of that. Yep. So, yes. um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yes, yes. I, I really, um, you know, that those are the, the, the three areas that I have. I have a marriage testimony and I have, you know, my, my relationship with death and then also just my testimony about forgiveness, you know, and so much of that has to do with my childhood and my marriage and the things that you just asked me about. So um, I, I appreciate you just even going through my story because I'm like, you know, um, engaged, you know, in a way that I, I, you know, I don't normally get a chance to kind of like process and go through yeah. um, my story like that. In know. terms of your marriage, when do you say, because obviously there was a transition and you said there were bumps in the road and you had to, yes. you had to become an adult real quick. Oh yeah. But when do you feel like there was a point in your marriage where the two of you felt like one and that you guys were finally there? Like, cause you, you didn't have that solid foundation, but it sounds like you have it now. When do you feel like that came? Um, when that was a, that was a transitional thing, right? Because, and it was a, a, a gradual thing, right? And so, um, when you get to a place where, um, you can, you have to understand that not only do you have to have you married this person, but you've married their history, everything mm -hmm. that has happened to them before they met you. Yes. And then you've married their family, <laughs> right? You married their family and everything that they love about their family and also everything that they hate about their family. Um, and then, you know, you know, you, there's times where you have to choose your spouse, you know, over and over and over again, mm. you have to keep choosing them. Yeah. Um, in terms of, and, and then also understanding how not to blur the lines of, yes, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you not because I love you so much, but because this is my choice for me to choose to love you because of how, because of course, when you live by the principles that God set in place, you know, the church is so blemished. The church is so, uh, you know, dirty and despicable in all of its ways. And, you know, but, but God still loves the church. Mm -hmm. Right. And he, and he cleansed the church and he's, he's the church he's the righteousness of the body. Um, and so it was when, when I had those transitional moments of growth individually and when my wife could not only just see me as the young kid that was 19 in college, but she could see that, Oh my goodness, this is God's son and he's growing and he's leading me and he's teaching me. And so when you can feel that your, you know, your leadership is, you know, you know, impacting your spouse because, you know, because, also, we forget as men that our women are leaders too, and they can influence and they can impact us in ways that change our lives forever. And so I would like to say that, you know, it was just a transitional thing. And from one stage to the next, you know, we always, you know, were in that place where we had the opportunity to, to really embrace being, being one. But when your path is just already there, you have to learn that I got to step into the office of husband. I have to step into the mm -hmm. office of wife yeah. and I have to do it. You know, I have to do love, right? Because at some point, 
you know, I thought, you know, love was a feeling that you have, you know, for a person that, you know, you like, mm. that makes you feel yeah. good. But it's so much more to love, just like it's so much more to God. And I think it's with the education and the more you learn and experience life, you understand what it takes to really love somebody. Because you'll say, I love you, but but the Bible tells us that we got to do love. Yeah. <laughs> right? You yes. Say, what are you doing? You know, you can say to me, Lord, Lord, with your mouth, but are you doing love? And so I learned how to do love and how to posture my heart in a way that, um, that says, uh, I don't have to re- reciprocate, right? I don't have to expect something back for what for what I'm giving my spouse because this giving is better than receiving. This right. giving of love is is so much more phenomenal and that principle translated to what happens economically and financially in your life. You understand the principle of giving and it's a giving uh, uh, contest, <laughs> you know, and so I learned to outgive and um you know, and even though we had struggles and we still have them to this day, um, somehow, you know, I, I don't I don't ever want to stop giving um, love to my wife. And, uh, you know, and I can't identify what one moment it was, but the journey has been um, the most the most uh, one <laughs> that 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 uh, that we've had you know, together. Awesome. And in that journey, um, how do you see God's presence in your life personally? Personally, um, for me, you know, God keeps on challenging my thinking, right? And so, you know, if you, the ministry that my my friends and I developed um, is called Think King. And so Think King is... A play on words, right? So we, it's really the word is thinking, but we're talking about, you know, the renewing of the mind, right? Okay. And so um, in that scripture, there was, you know, this revelation that I got about what I wanted the, my purpose to be in ministry, which is identity, you know, and I always struggled with that, you know, being a transplant from New York to South Carolina, who am I? What group should I be in? Who should I be talking like and walking like? Who is who? Who are my leaders and culture? And um, you know, uh, just God showing up in through His people. So you you learn that God's people are usually not very far away. And 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 depending on depending on the, your conversation and your your willingness and your heart to seek the Lord. He'll have things right next to you and you won't even know, you know. So there was so much revelation that I got from my friends, you know, um, and, and and even even in the differences in doctrine. Like, you know, one of my best friends is a Jehovah's Witness because he grew up a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. And so um, just God showing me through my friends and my interactions, first of all, specifically with my family. Right. Because yeah. I had to learn how to forgive my family. Uh, for the apologies that I wasn't going to get from them, <laughs> right? About, uh, and then I had to learn how to forgive my wife. Um, and I had to learn how to forgive my brother's, you know, uh, uh, killer. Um, all on my own, right? And so God just keeps on challenging my thinking and my mindset, you know, 
Uh, you still think eye for an eye, but I say love, right? Mm -hmm. I say give. And so, because we know that culture and society teaches us to think opposite, you know, in the Old Testament way. And you see that in scripture. So it was from study to relationship and interaction and you eating the meat and spitting out the bone yeah. in everything that you do, <laughs> right? Because God has so many resources and the kingdom economics that, that's happening right now, even just talking to you right now, there's yeah. so much that we're exchanging with each other, right? You know, and, and you know, big shout out to Apostle Terrence Frederick and, um, you know, just the leadership and the people that are going to the embassy every week, every day, serving their communities. Um, and, and it'll be people that in your life that you wouldn't, you know, think maybe, maybe the man at the grocery store, how about the security guard at your job? He's a devout minister of the gospel, right? Yeah. You don't even, you see him every day, you know? And, and it's just things like that. God just shows up in people in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's just, this just how I've been able to experience it. Yeah. Awesome. God shows up in people in your life. I, I definitely can relate to that as well. Yeah. Definitely. All right, so let's move into the music. Okay. <laughs> okay. So uh, we have a segment called the Four Song Breakdown. And okay. it's where the artist raps or recites a verse and discusses the song. So okay. um, for you, I had asked if you can do Children of the Lion, uh, Jamila. And okay. <laughs> I just last minute I added Jamila, cleaning okay. time. Yeah. Cleaning time. And then if you have a fourth cleaning song time. of your choice that you would like to do, you can do that. So cool. cool. Yeah. So the first one. Yeah, children so of the, the first lion. one was I was Children of the Lion. Okay. And so you just wanted me to just recite one of the verses or all three or all or both of them. I just do a verse. Choose a verse, a verse. That, that you want to do. Okay. I got and, um, you. So I said, um, all I got time for is to talk about what I got time for. Because talking to you is the only thing that I really open my mind for, engaging with my heart and head at the same time. So we can record and let it be boredom in the form of people. We can ignore them and laugh in the bliss of summer, tell the universe that this is from us. We mad happy. And it's sad that we be letting purpose escape us walking around like heaven ain't been gracious as hell. The oxy of you morons trying to copy God's proxy. I understand that that source be outsourcing, saving grace, because really that's the currency we live on. It happens in the spirit economically. So give on, it's no change. It's so strange that this went over my head. How could I be believing Hova was dead? Serious about the whole thing with his name being changed. Blaspheming on your phone thinking you giving us game. I'm saying chill. You still official. Like the inside of the bottom of your back. You ain't got to smell the tissue. I just had to check you because I ain't been checking for you. Missed a step in my direction and corrected it. I'm loyal. Somebody just called me. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it's all good. Um, all right. Thanks for that. And you want to break down Children of the Lion? What is that song about? So, um, again, you know, 
my ministry is about identity. And when I wrote those lyrics, um, I wanted to let people know that I want to genuinely engage you because we're so, we get so caught up and we forget that people really just want genuine engagement. When you bring yourself, your real self, to the conversation, you step out from behind your representative and you're able to authentically be you. Yeah. Right? You know, because, <laughs> because I've been working for Verizon Wireless since I graduated from college. God bless my wife, right? You know, I was mm -hmm. shooting pictures and doing photography before I did that. And she was like, Darius, you need a job with some benefits, you know, right? And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I want to rap, right? So, um, but Verizon Wireless is a, an amazing company. Um, I've been there for over 10 years. Uh, you know, they've afforded me so much in my life. Um, love that company. Um, but the point that I'm making is I learned how to not be the representative, mm -hmm. right? And how to be myself. And so that means with, every, with, with every, anything that I'm doing, I'm still holy, I'm still the same person, right? And so for a long time, I, I learned, I picked up a bad habit of being one person when I'm with this group, <laughs> another person when I'm with this group, and another person when I'm with another group. So when I say all I got time for is to talk about what I got time for, because talking to you is the only thing that I really open my mind for, engaging with my heart and head, because people engage with their head, but not with their heart or engage with their heart. And not with their head, but you got to engage both so that your connection can be genuine. Sorry. And so, you can repeat um, that line one that more means, time just because of the connection about engaging oh, both. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So that that's engaging with your. Some a lot of times we engage with our head and not our heart, or engage with our heart and not our head. And, and, and we miss genuinely connecting with people because right. we don't know who we are. Yeah. And we're still trying to figure it out. So I'm letting people know we're children of the lion and we're warring in the spirit, right? The devil is a liar. He don't want you believing. we children of the lion. Be healed and receive him. So we're royalty, children of the lion. And, um, and, and if God is a king, mm -hmm. then that means we're his royal family and we're his children. So just reminding people who they are and how valuable they are and that it's okay for them to be flawed and to be themselves um, in every set atmosphere and setting and environment. Right on. All right. And we already kind of touched a little bit on the subject, but we can go deeper now if you can do a verse from Jamila. <clears throat> okay. Um, see, she was a friend of the family like a sister or a daughter is what you would call her. And her father died for a law and she took a shahada. Byproduct lifting her got up her sister was beanie. And my brother was a lover whenever she seen me. I was up under my mother, Tanisha, my cousin. But they were close enough to broke to joke joke with us. But you know you was good if you broke it up and smoked the Dutch. I'm talking five to six when I'm in, I'm in describing this in Stuyvesant. By the time I was ten, I'm in Carolina trying to blend. She came to see me. By the heater watching TVs and her watching my niece and me peacefully was a recent thing. And we wasn't concerned with who she was serving, the beast, the king. Shower the baby. We were the people that she really loved. I would embrace her. When I seen her, we would really hug. She was a diamond, a sign from a different time. When my mother's mother passed, death decided to align. And so I told the story of my childhood and what happened to my brother. 
within those 16 bars. And uh, I'm so glad that you asked me about that record because I just explained it <laughs> to, <laughs> you, to you all at that time ago. So um, yeah, that is the, that's 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 my story in Brooklyn. And, and uh, you know, Jamila was really close. She even came to South Carolina to my grandmother's house. Um, you know, before my grandmother died, you know, or maybe some time after she died. Mm -hmm. So that's how close to the family she was. She watched TV with me by the heater. Um, my niece was maybe like two or three at the time, you know, my sister's daughter, right? Okay. You know, so we're like six years apart, right? And so, um, you know, and even when I was in New York, you know, she had a, 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 a she had a stillborn um, daughter. So mm -hmm. even when I was like five or six, you know, my sister was nine months pregnant and she lost a baby the day she went into labor, you know, the baby was born mm -hmm. dead. So that was a traumatizing thing for her. And then my brother happens, Gosh. you know? And yeah, so, yeah. so it was, it was really heavy. is understandable. Yeah. 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 So it was really heavy um, on her. So, but yeah, that would, that, that was the story of the beginning. Now, Jamila, um, did she date your brother? No, she, she her sister dated my brother. Okay. And her sister Beanie dated my brother. Okay. And then as far as forgiveness, yes. how do you go about forgiving someone who essentially murdered your brother? You know, trauma is a very tricky thing, right? Trauma will live in your heart and your head for years and be in, and it will be impacting your body. You have no idea on so many different levels, right? And so um, I realized that every March 20th on my sister's birthday, I would like take a day off to sit outside and I can't function, I can't do anything. This is a sad day. I need to call my sister and I get into these, I, I would get into these funks. And, um, and of course, when it happened, I was nine. And Facebook with its amazing self, um, suggested a friend and it was Jamila Harrison. Oh my goodness, here she is. Let me add her. Hello. How Facebook are you? Facebook and their suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook and the suggestions, right? <laughs> and so, you know, I just was like, you know what? I know my family still hates you, but you know, because I'm in Christ and because I know that this is something that's for me and not for you. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I know that you are remorseful about what you did. So I'm not even going to ask you, you know, do you feel bad for killing my brother? I'm going to call you. I'm going to reach out. I ask, hey, this is Darius. How are you? Oh, hi, Darius. Send me. Here's my number. Call me. She calls me. Hey, Jamila, what's going on? I know it's been a long time. I know what happened happened a very long time ago. And um, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I love you and I forgive you. And, I, and, and she just began to break down and cry on the phone, you know. And she was just like, Darius, I'm so sorry. You know, I mean, and, it, and it, I could tell that it was a weight that came up off of me, but it was more so, so much of a weight that came off of her. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and it reminded me that forgiveness is so much and so essential for you, but it's so glorious when you, it's given to the remorseful. Mm. and you okay, get yeah. you get so much back when you know you got to be careful about who you forgive because some people don't care right yeah that can hurt you <laughs> right some yeah. people can't get in touch with your pain right and so just to answer your question about how you do that 
you know, you got to be courageous. You got to take this. You got to say, you know what? I may not even get a remorseful response. But for me, because I want to let this go and release this person, I'm going to take a chance. And in that, you need to be encouraged that God is going to bless you because the remorse is going to pour out of that person. Yeah. And it's going to bless you back. And you just in the kingdom economics will just be going and, you know, you just be so glad that you made that exchange with the person um, that you made that exchange with. So you, you got to be courageous. That's how you do that. You got to be courageous. Yeah, that's <laughs> that, that was deep. I liked how you worded all of that. That was dope. <laughs> but yeah. being courageous that I haven't I guess I haven't really looked at it that way. But because forgiveness you have to be strong and like you said, courageous. Like it's not simple to just forget. It's not. It's not. Mm -mm. <laughs> it's not. It's okay. really not. So You'll be mad for mad sake. <laughs> <laughs> and how long ago was this when you forgave her? This was in 2016. So it wasn't that so long ago there. This, this, you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, I'm not a super Christian. You know, I was mad still. Of course. I was bitter, yeah. but I had to, but I had to be self-aware enough to know that I'm still angry. I'm still mm -hmm. bitter and say, I'm bitter. <laughs> I'm bitter. I'm, I'm bitter. Oh God. Yeah. Save me. Give me the strength. Give me the power to come out of my bitterness. Right. And the word says, go to your brother who's mm. who you have a art, who you have a art with, who you were offended by. Right. And, 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 and that's what I did. And, and it freed me from so much. Amen. Um, freed me. And Jamila, there's actual audio of a conversation with you and her at the end of the track. Right. Beginning and end. No, well, that's the, the audio is a conversation between me and her sister. OK, that's Phoebe. So her sister was in a relationship with my brother. Got it. Okay. And what you'll hear her. Okay. What, you, what you'll hear her saying is, you know, that she had a physical relationship with my brother and okay. she felt my brother get shot because of the spiritual oh, connection. Oh, that's what, okay. I was trying that's to put it all saying. together and understand. Okay. Right, right. And I so mean. I played the entire uh, the clip of the conversation before the song to set the pace of the energy of the record because it was a little melancholy and I wanted to make sure it was like, in the right place and we set the right tone because it was just so you know um and so and my engineer was like look you need to put this part at the end of it just to bring back you know the reality of what what happened you know she yeah. felt she wasn't even there but she felt something in her that said something had happened to him and so um that's how that happened i knew people would be like well, is this jamila or is this beanie so that's why i named it the interlude beanie okay her uh, sister was Beanie, and my brother right. was a lover whenever she seen me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So essentially, she was saying because she had an intimate relationship with your brother, when he yeah. passed away, she felt like she the lost his spirit in the world. Right, right. Okay. But then she also said that she had a dream that it was going to happen the day before it happened. Mm. So. Really? That was unexpected. I had just, I didn't know that like, she was going to say that to me on the phone. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was unexpected. And I was just kind of like, you know, so what happened, Beanie? You know, I wasn't there. I was nine. Yeah. You know, tell me, you know. 
So, and I, but, and it was too awkward for me to ask Jamila. When I spoke to her, I knew that the conversation was about, wasn't about, you know, what happened. It was about, hey, this is really what the elephant in the room is. And it was really short lived. And I spoke to her for a little bit, you know, but I didn't really make her relive because she was just, it, it was so much, yeah. you know. Okay. So let's move on to the next song, Cleaning Time. I'm such a baby, I'm calling my house a crib. Lack of appreciation is much easier to give. Look at my mindset, I keep using the same excuse. Mentally off the tree, but I don't understand the noose. If my neck and your neck is the same, we should exchange. I believe if we keep it the same, it never changes. But the more things change, the more they stay the same is what they saying. So let's explore the force behind the strain. Sure. Is it a war or some kind of false battle? I feel like a, a prop and all police are crooked cops. Why? They want to pop me. That's exactly why they watch me. Or is it my mindset is just a carbon copy? Or am I playing in the what's a part of the plan? More glory for the lamb. Is my demise the demand? Am I the stop that my social really says? Does this modern day society really give me an edge? Am I supposed to be excited for politics of, of violence? Should I glory in the truth about the church and all its silence? Look at the black man with his big black beard. You're a victim of white supremacy and, and nobody cares. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whatever you, you, whatever is repeated, you believe in. Let's apply the same principle of the truth and receive it. Oh, I'm sorry. Might have said the wrong thing. Guess I'm preaching to the choir. So let's Go ahead and let him sing. All right, man. So this song, it's just always relevant, unfortunately. I pray that there's a time where it will never be relevant, but I <laughs> yeah. just realistically, I don't see that happening. But if we can just dive deeper into why, why did you feel the need to make this song? Yeah, so when I'm writing this, you know, a lot of times I write, I write, I write for myself, right? Because I need to be encouraged. And at the time, there's something going on. There's some type of event that's happening that you know is in the news. And it's like, you know, look at my mindset. It just made me think, like, how am I thinking about this? How am I responding to this, right? And how can, how can my ministry play a part? How can I give, give God's people hope, right? And how can I make them more self-aware about their responses. You know what I mean? Because, you know, and I say, I'm such a baby, I'm calling my house, house a crib, right? It's like, you know, people say that, you know, people be like, you know, yeah, I'm at the crib, yeah, you, yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you know? And so it's like, you know, why does your house have to be a crib, right? <laughs> why do you have to think about your home yeah. as a baby's place to sleep? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So no like, one's like, I'm at the bed. I'm <laughs> at the crib. <laughs> right. Nobody's. No, you're at the house. You're at your home. Yeah. Right. You're at your place of peace. Right. <laughs> right. Like let's let's ele elevate our thinking. Right. Going back to the ministry, thinking kingdom. Right. And mm -hmm. thinking kingship. You know. And it's, instead of you know, what's up? You know. Uh. You know my G or, you know, whatever, right? You know, I, I always greet people, you know, 
peace, queen, peace, king, right? Because I want you to understand that this is royalty, right? Especially if, I, if you're in Christ and you're a citizen of the kingdom, I have to identify you as the royalty that you are. And, um, you know, they get it over there in England, right? They get it. They get, <laughs> they get it. All of these ideas are, are, are God's ideas, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the monarchy and, you know, and, and, and the royal family, right? I mean, so when we're talking about the royal priesthood and our brothers and sisters in Christ who came from the loins of David, right? You know, these, these are the things that, you know, that we know um, that we forget about manifesting so you know all about manifesting culture but at the same time impacting culture with your mindset right being yeah. wise as a serpent as harmless as a dove and so i felt the need to write it because of what was happening um, um culturally um and then also to address those blurred lines of race right you know especially when it comes to music because people are listening to my music and look at me and then have a walk away from our my conversation having a completely different perception of what everything that I represent, my big black beard, my brown skin, right? My East Coast tone. Now I have manifested a culture and I've, I've impacted a mindset that will impact a mindset that will impact a mindset and spark a love that's 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 greater than 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 I could even imagine, you know. And so yeah. it's so much purpose in being yourself. Uh, because God needs you to be yourself. There's, all, there's, 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 there's not enough people being authentic. Now, you also talk about the church pretty much kind of being silent when it comes to race relations. And yeah. we have most recently Ahmaud Aubrey, who was, um, you know, the gentleman in Georgia jogging in the neighborhood and got um, hunted down and murdered. Um, right. I, it's still kind of fresh, so I can't really see what the church is doing, but it seems like it's pretty much like any other instance where yeah, nothing it's silence. is really, yeah. It's silence, yeah. It, yeah. But, you know, <laughs> but it's okay. Here's, here's, somebody has to speak, right? right. <laughs> Someone has to say something. And like I said, those blurred lines, I grew up in a town called Somerton, South Carolina. And, you know, Brown versus Board of Education and Briggs, you know, uh, you know, versus Elliott, Topeka, Kansas, and the bus. I mean, there's a white side mm -hmm. of town and white church. And then there's back up in the woods will be, hold down, Moses, the black people down <laughs> mm -hmm. the in the country. <laughs> and that line will never be crossed. Mm -hmm. Right. It'll, I mean, it'll never, we'll never walk up in that chapel that's beautiful as it can be in town mm -hmm. near the stoplight. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we won't ever be able to have that level of engagement and, and cross that blurred line, you know, and well, it's really not a blurred line. It's a straight line. Yeah. Okay. And so yeah, yeah. But it's a straight up clear line, you know, but <laughs> I like to call it blurred line because I can, I can definitely go to first Baptist Summerton, first Baptist church on first street next to the stoplight and, and sit with minister Daniel, who's been there for a lot of years and his dad's been there, but we don't go there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't go there. And then we don't really impact and speak to the events that are happening in the world as the body in the way that we should, because of these lines that we have 
from a racial standpoint. As an artist, it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. As an artist, because I see it, I, I'm responsible. Nina, Nina Simone says, we're responsible, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to reflect the times, even if the times haven't changed. But do you think that it's your responsibility to go there to the church on First Street next to the stoplight? Or <laughs> is it their responsibility to go up into the woods where they where the colorful where they, where they <laughs> Yeah. Right, right. Like, right. I think I think I think um I, I think the responsibility is 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 on both sides, right? Because the engagement needs to be genuine, like I said earlier. I need you to not see my black skin and perceive what my brain might manifest, right? And so sometimes we avoid conversations because of what what unconscious bias. And so and sometimes I might see somebody and perceive and start assuming who they are, what they represent, and what our conversation is going to be like and feel like because of this underlying you know, backupness that we got going on. We want to avoid conversation. So not just going to the church, but when we're standing up in the store, Mm -hmm. when we're going through the grocery line, Mm -hmm. when we get pulled over, right? What conversation, what engagement are we with as for officers as well as for people making citizens arrests? What does the engagement look like? Okay, because before you shoot me because you thought I was robbing somebody while I was jogging, you know, did you just blow your horn and start speeding at me? Because I'm going to start taking off too. I'm going to just be scared and not know what's going on. But it's a way that we can do things that, to avoid people from being killed if our heart and our head was engaged at the same time, right? Yeah. And we were able to... to to have some type of body language communication, right, and genuine conversation that would avoid conflict and, and, and help limit, limit and minimize conscious biases and unconscious biases. So, yeah. so it's both ways. It's, it's, Definitely. it's both ways. <sighs> it's both ways. Uh, but somebody got to make the first step, right? Somebody got to make the first step. <laughs> And the first step is saying it. Let's just say it, right? Let's just <laughs> say it. I know you're afraid of me, right? I know you. You know it weirds you out. I know it's awkward to talk to me, but who cares? Hey, my name's Darius. How are you? Right on. Right. Yes. And step out from behind the person and into the conversation, okay. and just be. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the fourth song which if you have a song of choice you want to do. Yes. Um, so if there's a, there's a, um, there's a, the last record is called Grace's Power. And the name of my, my album is called Audio Grace because faith comes by hearing. And when we hear things like this, like this, this medium here, and when we hear music, um, you know, God can definitely step into your life and impact you in ways that um, you, can, you, you can't imagine because, you know, because faith comes by hearing and you hear the word, you believe the word, and it comes to life. Okay. It's grace in this audio. What I really mean is power. Every second, every minute, every hour is what we implore for. And sin against in this sense is in his strength. We find exactly what we need. 
to believe indeed it's sort of egregious for me to be facetious and not apply what he teaches undoubtedly i repent when my heart's harder than cement your defense in a prevent but because we sin we blitz when we see fit because we pledge an allegiance to his peace in every season and he gave us the keys that we needed to keep our enemies defeated i need you to read it i'm talking about that word you don't deserve the grace we can't replace that really activates your faith i'm in his face so i can't even walk in on my ugly and profess nobody loves me when his spirit moves and tugs me you could judge me but i could care less if they're impressed i care more if they're invested in prayer more and staying pure staying corrected for every revelation they ignored because i was in a way of what god was trying to say i kind of prayed when i thought i really needed to to see the truth and then i saw he needed me to write so i could be a light to the world that he so loved or oh, what you thought this was a show huh i'm gonna break it down like it's protons with no blood i mean for the blood you can see know that you're a prophecy fulfilled this self-explanatory that hypocrisy is realness the realness that people are attracted to even when it's fake that's mistakenly attractive too and when it hurts and we can still love that's when we understand we don't exactly feel love it's something that we do when we don't exactly feel love this actual facts that ideas become drugs and we overdose really we just comatose and bask is so serious when do we ever find the time to laugh i mean honestly let's talk about this person that you're trying to be still in the moment so let's come out of photography and grow more i see you got to see but you should sow more but you kind of cheaper i want to see you investing your soul for the generation trying to speak because now when they just being conscious is kind of weak and obsolete peace nice nice and if you can break down the verse or the song whatever you want to talk about yeah um you know the the name of my album is called audio grace um and i named it audio grace because faith comes by hearing and you know and the grace that i talk about is not the grace that we mistake for mercy but the grace that is the power of God, right? It's by the grace of God, I made it out of that accident. By the grace of God, I made it out of that bad relationship. By the grace of God, uh, I've done, been able to do all of these things with my life and experience all of these things, but it was really the power of God. And, um, and, 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 we, and we know that our faith comes by hearing. And, um, and so when, when I listen to, you know, or when I write, when I, when I wrote this, this record it was just to drive home the purpose and the point for me creating the album in the first place i hope you enjoyed the episode please subscribe to our show and if you really enjoy the content please leave a review it really does help with the ranking for all things testimony visit testimonystories.com until next time i'm gilika brown the music lover constantly seeking positive music